My name is Shyla Catherine, for those of you that um, don't know me. And um, I'll be speaking tonight on the theme of equanimity and feeling. And I'd like to begin with a verse from um, the Vedana Samyutta, one of the Buddha's verses. And just so that you get kind of a flavor of some of the, um, of the teachings. This one's a bit poetic. It's quite sweet. He says, Just as many diverse winds blow back and forth across the sky, easterly winds and westerly winds, northerly winds and southerly winds, dusty winds and dustless winds, sometimes cool, sometimes hot, those that are strong and others mild, winds of many kinds that blow. So in this very body, various kinds of feelings arise, pleasant ones and painful ones, and those neither painful nor pleasant. But when a bhikkhu, a practitioner who is ardent, does not neglect clear comprehension, then that wise person fully understands feelings in their entirety, having understood feelings. One is taintless in this very life. I love this passage because it describes the diversity of feelings that arise, all of the various things that blow through our lives. And also the um, importance of clear comprehension, actually meeting all those various diverse winds with mindfulness, with clarity, with understanding. And then through the full and complete understanding of feelings, we become taintless, free of defilement, free of of suffering, free of craving, free of um, all of the things that cause us affliction in life. Understanding feeling is an important part of our Dharma practice. We don't avoid feelings in Dharma practice. Traditionally, when we work with feeling, we're working with what's called the second foundation of mindfulness or the second foundation of awareness, sometimes translated as the second frame of reference. And this is called working with Vedana is the Pali term. Vedana is what's translated as feeling. Vedana refers not to the feelings of sadness and happiness, joy and delight, not to the emotional life so much, but rather to the feeling tone of experience, which means the pleasant, the unpleasant, and the neutrality, the neither pleasant nor unpleasant aspect of any sensory experience. And we can experience Vedana, a feeling tone, at any sense door, pleasant or unpleasant seeing, pleasant or unpleasant hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. There can be pleasant or unpleasant experiences of thought. At each sense door, there can be many kinds of feeling. And so, in mindfulness practice, we become interested and mindful of the feeling itself of the quality of the feeling, of the pleasantness, rather than just the object that is pleasant. The unpleasantness, rather than the object that is painful. 
without this training in mindfulness of Vedana, most people, when a feeling arises, simply react to it. And then we cling the feeling tone. Sometimes we think we're clinging the pleasant object, the pleasant experience, or reacting against that unpleasant experience, so that we feel that we might be clinging the sight, the sound, the smell, the taste, the touch, or the thought. But very often when we look more closely, what we're actually reacting to isn't the sight, it's the unpleasantness of the sight. It isn't the sound, but it's the pleasantness of the sound. Sometimes we find that what we're reacting to and clinging is the pleasant feeling or the unpleasant feeling that arises in conjunction with the sensory experience, not necessarily the object that we're perceiving. The Buddha taught mindfulness in a broad scope, not just mindfulness of breathing or mindfulness of bodily sensations, not just mindfulness of working with particular objects of experience, not just mindfulness of sensory objects, such as the sensations in the body or the the warmth or the coolness. We are also, in addition to being mindful of the warmth, the coolness, the tingling, the pressure, the various um, senses that we experience, the things that we see, as well as the movements of mind, of desire, of aversion, of craving, of tiredness, of, of agitation, of frustration, of anger, of sadness, we also become mindful of this second foundation of awareness, of the feeling tone itself, to bring awareness to bear simply and directly on the pleasantness, the unpleasantness, and the neutrality of anything that we might be experiencing. The shift from from observing mindfulness of the sensory experience, say, of, of of feeling tingling or pressure in the body, to feeling the feeling tone of that, the pleasantness or unpleasantness, requires the mindfulness to shift to a more subtle level. Sometimes we need to make these shifts. We need to look at different aspects of our experience to find out just where it is we're clinging so that we can free the mind from that grasping, Free the mind from that clinging. Sometimes I'll be having interviews with students who will describe a very clear capacity to be mindful of bodily sensations. People may come into an interview and describe the way that, a, that an experience of pressure increases to, um, to throbbing and pulsing and burning and stabbing and searing and can go into tremendous detail about, say, an experience of pain in the shoulder or pain in the knee. And yet they're still in reaction to that pain. They can even note and notice the way the mind goes into um, 
into aversion and then back to the sensation and aversion and back to the sensation. But very often become frustrated because even though one is trying to note the details of the sensation, noticing the periphery of the pain, the center of the pain, all the details, all the variations, how it changes, how it increases, how it decreases, people may still find the mind in opposition to the pain. This is a clue that we haven't found the place of where the reactivity is rooted and beginning. We may not need to keep looking more and more and more carefully at the tingling and burning and the sensations themselves, but we may need to make the shift to this second foundation of awareness, to notice the feeling tone, the unpleasantness of the experience. It doesn't matter if it's a bitter taste or if it's too loud music or if it's indigestion or if it's a searing pain in the shoulder. These experiences may all share a feeling tone that we might call unpleasant. And that's the aspect that we can then bring mindfulness to is the unpleasantness. Often, when there's an unpleasant feeling, we get into a struggle with the object that triggered it, and we develop aversion, if not downright hatred, for whatever triggered that unpleasant feeling. We're in, we get into reaction to it and start to attribute tremendous significance to the thing itself, to the object, to that particular sound or that particular sight or that particular sensation. And through this um, reaction, the clinging increases. We're actually clinging the very thing that we want to go away. And of course, it doesn't go away. The very reactivity keeps it around just a little bit longer. And if one is in any, finds a recurring pattern of something occurring and then finds that same reactivity of wanting it to go away, we need to find just where the reactivity is beginning. And one of the first places to look is to shift the attention off the object and onto the feeling itself. That feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutrality. When we can work with the level of Vedana and bring mindfulness to that flow that occurs throughout a day, throughout a sitting, even if we choose to do it for just five minutes of a sitting period or ten minutes of a sitting period, to that flow of changing pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, pleasant, unpleasant, that moves through the day. The specific objects, the specific conditions that gave rise to those feelings become entirely inconsequential. We may have developed a whole story about how that person is so terrible because they do this, make this noise, or wear that color that I don't like, or whatever it is. When we can shift to just the unpleasantness of it, it takes the reactivity out. And it's that reactivity that is fueling the, 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 the solidification of I don't like this person, or I don't like this sound, or I don't like this sensation in the body. When we can 
flow with mindfulness on the level of the feeling, the changing feeling experiences, then a space can open for investigation that is not blocked by identification with an object or clinging a particular experience. We become mindful of pleasantness, not as pleasantness, I like that thing, but as just pleasantness. We become aware and mindful of unpleasantness, not as, oh, I hate that experience, I've got to get away from it or make it go away. It's just unpleasant. And we become mindful of neutrality as just that experience that's not pleasant and not unpleasant. So we commit, make a commitment to not fuel the reactivity, not fuel desire, aversion, and ignorance. I'd like to read another passage from the suttas. This is for those of you who are doing sutta study. It's in the middle-length discourses, the greater discourse on the destruction of craving. And I'd like to just read this passage, partly to give you a flavor of one of, the, of some of the ways that the Buddha approached feeling. And to see not only how he spoke of feeling tones, but also the implications, the potential freedom and liberation that he taught comes when we work with feeling tone, the understanding that arises. On seeing a form with the eye, this one, I'm just going to read the paragraph on the eye, but you know, those of you who've read the suttas know that there's a fair bit of repetition. So there's an identical paragraph on the ear, the, te- the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. Through all of them. Otherwise, that would be my entire talk if I just read you the sutta. <laughs> on seeing a form with the eye, one does not lust after it if it is pleasing. One does not dislike it if it is unpleasing. One abides with mindfulness of the body established with an immeasurable mind. And one understands as it actually is the deliverance of mind and deliverance by wisdom, wherein those evil, unwholesome states cease without remainder. Having thus abandoned favoring and opposing Whatever feeling one feels, whether pleasant or painful, or neither painful nor pleasant, one does not delight in that feeling, welcome it, or remain holding to it. The feeling arises, but one does not then delight in it, want it, hold it. As one does not do so, delight in feeling ceases in one. With the cessation of delight comes the cessation of clinging. With the cessation of clinging, cessation of being. With the cessation of being, cessation of birth. With the cessation of birth, aging and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair cease. Such is the cessation of this whole mass of suffering. Through relating to feeling with a balanced mind, without holding to it, delighting in it, grasping it, without what he started with, does not lust after it. 
when one speaks of the delighting in it in this sutta, it's speaking of not a general appreciation of a pleasant experience as a pleasant experience, but that lusting after, that moving into, that wanting. If the the tendency with pleasant experience is that it leads to this wanting, it leads to desire, to greed. The tendency with unpleasant experience is that it leads to aversion and to hatred. The tendency with neutral experience is it can lead to delusion and confusion. If we don't bring mindfulness and understanding to those feelings that arise. And any way of relating to experience that cultivates desire, hatred, greed, hatred, and delusion is going to create suffering rather than freedom. And yet feelings arise. The Buddha doesn't say, uproot all feelings. Rather, how do we relate to those feelings that arise? So what would be a wise relationship to the various feelings, the various winds of feeling tone that blow through each day of our lives? The Buddha described a balanced mind of equanimity and non-attachment. And these are the responses of choice. If you have a choice rather than respond with greed, hatred, and delusion. You might try a little equanimity and a little bit of non-attachment. Now, we practice so that we have some choice, so that we can intervene in that the quickness of that reaction, experience the feeling tone as it is, and let the mindfulness know that feeling tone, with a courageous heart to actually feel it rather than just react against it. In some ways, our mindfulness practice slows the experience a bit, the, 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 slows the reaction a bit, so that we can make a little space for choosing, how am I going to respond to this feeling that arises? We may not have any control about what, which feeling arises, but we have tremendous influence over how we respond to whatever feeling arises. I'd like to read a verse from the Dhammapada. Ah, we live so happily, without hate, among those with hate, among people who hate, we live without hate. Ah, we live so happily without misery, among those in misery, Among people in misery, we live without misery. Ah, we live so happily without ambition among those with ambition. Among people who are ambitious, we live without ambition. Ah, we live so happily, we who have no attachment. We shall feast on joy, as do the radiant gods. One of the um, great teachers that came after the Buddha, Buddha Gosa, um, wrote a rather lovely, though technical, meditation manual called the Visuddhimagga. 
And in it, he um, tends to define quite a bit of terms and practices and processes and procedures. So this definition is a tiny bit technical, but just listen a little bit. He defines equanimity in the Visuddhimagga as being the mode of no abandonment of the natural state of purity when desirable or undesirable objects arise at any of the six sense doors. I find it a very interesting definition. Equanimity is defined as the mode of no abandonment of the natural state of purity when desirable or undesirable objects arise at any of the six sense doors. Maybe an easier definition to, um, in terms of language, but meaning quite the same thing, comes from my uh, Vipassana teacher, Christopher Titmus um, from England. And he defines equanimity, upeka is the term for equanimity in Pali. Upeka expresses a steadfast response to the forces of attraction and aversion, whether those impulses are of pleasure or of pain from within or without. Equanimity describes this steadfast response, which is needed to remain balanced and present in that movement between pleasant and unpleasant experiences. Throughout every day, there are innumerable changes of feeling. Some moments are pleasant, some moments are unpleasant. Some change between the two feelings very quickly. And some, we can't really tell. They're not distinctly one feeling or the other. But it's all what composes our lives. And for the most part, our life and the feelings that arise are beyond what we can control or even predict. We're not going to change the fact that there are both pleasant and painful and neutral experiences in life. But are we going to be tossed and turned by this fact? Or can we have a steadfast response? Can we stay steady in the face of these shifts? Steady, balanced, equanimous, poised, peaceful, accepting, open, responsive. These qualities reveal a depth of understanding that things are the way they are. This moment is as it is. Equanimity is this quality of mind that is balanced and present in the face of these three kinds of of feeling. Balanced knowing, ah, this is how it is right now. And this is how it is right now. And the feeling may change, but this is how it is right now. Some teachers describe equanimity as the Capacity to remain equally close to all things, which is a lovely take on equanimity because it emphasizes the aspect of connection. Equanimity is not withdrawal, it's not disconnection, it's not indifference. Too often people think equanimity is basically a withdrawal where we don't really care and so we don't respond. 
There's a difference between responding out of connection and reacting out of not being able to bear the changes of pleasant and unpleasant experiences. Joseph Goldstein once quoted from his teacher Munindraji, where Munindraji told him, just be simple and easy about things. And this was actually one of the teachings that Munindraji frequently gave. Just be simple and easy about things. And that, in a way, is a practice of equanimity, to continue to remember, can we be simple? Can we be easy about things? The Buddha said in the Anguttara Nikaya, I think I'm giving you all the Buddhist texts, all the main ones, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Just as a rocky mountain is not moved by storms, so sights, sounds, tastes, smells, contacts, and ideas, whether desirable or undesirable, will never stir one of steady nature whose mind is firm and free. So we need equanimity to remain balanced and present in this ever-fluctuating movement between painful and pleasant experience. Once we get something pleasant, the tendency in an unmindful moment is to want to hold it, to wish that it would last forever, but we know that it won't. The tendency with an unpleasant experience when there's not mindfulness and understanding is that we fear, oh my God, this painful, horrible thing is going to last forever. But it also won't. The willingness to open to all of life, to open to the pleasant, to open to the unpleasant, and to open to the subtlety of that more neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant experience can take us beyond the limited scope of our personal self-interest and open the heart to experience the truth of the present moment as it is, life in this moment as it's unfolding, in all its wonder, in all its diversity, and in all its fullness with that full spectrum of the difficult moments and the very joyful moments of life so that we know our freedom in the face of difficulties, in the face of what's painful. And we know our freedom in the face of what's pleasant and what's joyful. And we know our freedom in the simple experiences of a quiet and neutral moment. Let's sit for a couple of minutes and then we'll see if there's some comments for discussion.
notice what it is you're aware of. Sensations in the body. Thoughts, sounds, emotions. And then see if you can tune into the quality of pleasantness or unpleasantness. Let go of the fixation on the object itself and just notice the feeling. Don't assume that a pain is always unpleasant or that something that you usually like is always pleasant. Look directly into this moment and notice the feeling level. You might notice the interaction of the perception of the sensory experience. Say it's a sensation in the body, the feeling and the mind. Sometimes noticing the feeling brings the mindfulness into our experience between the stimulus and the reaction. Notice if the feeling stays steady or if it changes between pleasant and unpleasant, pleasant and unpleasant. Does it increase or decrease? Notice what your reaction is to unpleasant experience. If there's, scan your body, find something that feels a little unpleasant. 
And notice if there's any reaction to it. Do you want it to go away? And scan your body for a moment to see if there's any pleasant experience, perhaps a bit of warmth or coolness, maybe the contact of the hands. And notice what the mind's reaction to that is. Is there any leaning into it? Any wanting it to last? I didn't really leave enough time for a discussion, but I would like to give you a homework assignment, should you choose to accept this. Um, Equanimity is very strongly developed when we bring mindfulness to the feeling level of experience. And this is the kind of thing that we don't just do in the sitting practice, because chances are... Every day, whether you're at home or go to work or driving or go to the store, there's going to be a pleasant and an unpleasant experience. And probably every single hour, you'll have a pleasant experience and an unpleasant experience. And if you would like to do this homework, I would suggest just, I'd suggest writing it down each day, just keeping a little journal. Choose one pleasant and one unpleasant experience and contemplate your reaction to pleasantness and your reaction to unpleasantness. And start to notice what your patterned response is. Sometimes in meditation we work a lot to experience pain with a balanced mind, but we really also need to learn to experience pleasure with a balanced mind. The neutral experience is more difficult because it's more subtle. But very often, if we're not able to stay with a more neutral experience, then we go very quickly into distraction. We feel bored very easily. Um, We fill our time with things um, because we are not aware of the simple neutrality of a moment of experience. So I'd, I'd suggest writing them down because then at the end of the week you can reflect upon the, the whole thing and notice if there's any patterns. But certainly see if you can bring some attention to how do I respond to pleasantness, unpleasantness, and neutrality in my day.
I won't take any time for questions, but I will hang around for a few minutes if anybody had something that they wanted to, um, you know, a comment that you wish to make. Thank you very much for coming. Enjoy your evening.